Man, we've got an incredible team of worship leaders in this house. Um, I'm on the floor tonight for a couple of reasons. One, I'm wore out from this morning. Um, I can't do that a lot, thank the Lord. But, um, and two, I just like to be down here with you. Um, this is not going to be the same as first service, but it doesn't need to be. God speaks individually when he needs to, to each circumstance. So we're just going to trust that he's going to do what he needs to do tonight for us tonight. Um, I will start the same way before I get into the word and just thank you all. Those of you that have been here for a while, um, it was one year ago that um, I said I wouldn't do this tonight. I said I got it all out on Sunday morning. <laughs> um, Tuesday night a year ago into Wednesday is when I thought I was just sick and I was being hard-headed and wouldn't listen to anybody and several of the people in this house called me through the night and kept telling me, go to the hospital, go to the hospital. And I kept going, I just have a cold. If y'all let me sleep for a few days, I'll be okay. And um, turns out I actually had COVID and AFib and respiratory. I was on the brink of respiratory failure and some other things. And, um, and it was the people of this house. I know God is my healer, but you're my family. And there were so many people praying and calling and texting and Facebook messaging me, telling me that you cared and that you were praying for me and you're trusting God on my behalf. And I believe I'm standing here because of your prayer. So thank you. Um, today, this is we're into the Thanksgiving week. And uh, so we'll read this scripture. And you don't, you can stand if you want to. Do I? Have, oh, it's me, huh? <laughs> Alan, click the thing. I told you I was Ill, uh, not smart there. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty, fills the hungry with good things. Father, we thirst and hunger after you in this house. And so, Lord, we ask that you would satisfy us tonight. Satisfy us with your spirit and your presence and the many good things that you have blessed us with through Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, so this is Thanksgiving week. It kicks off today um, when we in America typically, typically think of Thanksgiving. We think of the founding of the country and the, thank, the pilgrims and the Indians and thankful for America and, and the freedoms that we have. But really, it's the big three Fs. It's food, family, and football in America. And, and man, I'm looking forward to Thursday. I have been trying to do better uh, uh, health-wise. And, and, and don't clap. <laughs> I was kind of embarrassed this morning because I wasn't saying it to get your applause because I shouldn't be in this position in the first place. But as of August of last year till now, I weighed Saturday, and I've lost 107.8 pounds right in there. And don't clap. It embarrasses me. But, um, and I've still got a ways to go. But you know what? There's a couple of things that help me to get to where I'm at right now, and it's because I'm not eating all that stuff anymore on a regular. Um, you know, I mentioned it this morning, clean eats. I try to eat prepared, healthy meals. Try to eat them scheduled during the day and do all the healthy stuff. And I'm doing some working out. I've gone to the gym on a regular now. And, and there's something that's happened. It's called accountability and discipline. 
Those are hard things, man. You know, well, Alan, you wouldn't be as big as you were if you had a little accountability and discipline over your life. Well, I did have it for moments, but I refused to walk it out on a regular. And that translates over into our spiritual dynamic, too. When we don't walk in accountability and discipline to the Lord, man, we can spiritually put ourselves in some overweight positions. Actually, I think it's just the opposite. I think if we don't walk out in accountability and discipline spiritually, we become anorexic spiritually because we're not being fed. We're not being satisfied in our thirst and our hunger for the Lord. And so that lack of spiritual accountability and discipline almost makes us malnourished. You know what I'm saying? So Thanksgiving, time to give thanks. And it's right and so. I mean, we always give thanks, just like praise and our worship and the honor to the Lord. That's always right and new, but it's not just a seasonal thing. It shouldn't just be the first, you know, we get into November. and, and, And if you're doing this, you know, I've done it before too. 30 days of Thanksgiving, you post something you're thankful for every day. That's great. That's all well and good. But it shouldn't just be in November. And it shouldn't be the third week of November. Thanksgiving should be a daily part of our spiritual discipline. Just like reading the word, just like prayer, just like the meditation with the Lord and in and, and, and our worship. Thanksgiving should be a daily thing. God has given us so many things that we should be grateful for. And, and, and you know, I, I mentioned it in the morning gathering, you know, if I were to walk up to Vicky and go, hey, Vicky, here's a $50 bill. I just want to give you this today. You know, Vicky probably go, woohoo, thank you. She'd be all excited. We get all excited about good things. It's easy to give thanks when good things are happening. But what about in our struggles? Can we be just as joyous and thankful in our struggles as we are when things are going well? There's a story in Luke chapter 17, and (laughs) it's a bad habit. I did it again tonight. Story. There's an event that happens in Luke 17 that Jesus talks about, and and, or it's portraying Jesus. And there's ten lepers. Leprosy was a skin disease. It was it was basically a death nail. It was it was it was a death sentence back in that time. But now, because of modern medicine and things, leprosy and the in the definition of it, the skin disease, if it's called early in treatment stuff, they can you know save your life and they can kind of curb the extent of the effects of it. But back then, man, leprosy it was it was over. If you got leprosy, you were going to die. And and what happened in those days is people that had leprosy were outcasts. They were kicked out of their families, out of their communities, out of the cities and villages they were in. And they had to stay on the outside of the community. And they had to, they almost always went together as a group because that was the only community they had was a group of lepers. Can you imagine having something that's so traumatic in your life that you can no longer look your spouse in the eye if you're married or hug your child at night or be greeted to, by your children when you come home. Just that, that the, the affection and the, the, the touch of somebody that you love. And, and when, you were, when you were deemed with leprosy, you were considered unclean. And they would yell all the time. They had to. And they walked at such a distance so that if you were walking this way and lepers were there, people would just turn and leave and turn their backs on them. And they would have to yell, unclean, unclean, so that people would have a chance to get away. The story talks about 10 
there were 10 lepers. And as it goes on, it says that they saw Jesus from a distance. And they yelled out to him, Jesus, Jesus, master, teacher, heal us. Will you heal us? And then Jesus does this amazing, miraculous thing. He gives them scripture. He tells them, go see the priest, show yourself to the priest, and take care of the ritual for cleanliness. Didn't spit in the ground and make mud. Didn't say, your faith has made you well. Didn't say, go and be whole. Didn't cast a shadow over him or anything like that. He gave them his word. And see, sometimes for us, we want the woo-woo, we want the big thing, we want the instantaneous miracle in our life to take care of things, when a lot of the times, we really just need to get a hold of this and find out what it is that he is telling us, what is he trying to speak to us, and walk in his word. In my life, I have found more times than not, if I hear the word of God and be obedient to it, it will save me a lot of heartache on the far end of things. It's when I hear the word and dismiss it and don't apply it in my life where I find myself getting in a lot of trouble. So he gives them the word, and they leave. Now, I mentioned this morning's gathering. It's hard for me to get three or four people together to go do something. My family, I have a son, daughter, and daughter-in-love trying to do our monthly family thing and figure out where we're going to go. Hey, let's go see a movie. Well, we saw that last week. Hey, let's go to eat. Well, I don't want Mexican. We had it yesterday. You know, trying to get my family of five together to go do something. But these 10 lepers go... He said, go see the priest, so let's go. So they begin to walk, and they're going toward the priest to the temple to show themselves. And the scripture says that as they went, they were healed. Jesus didn't touch them, didn't say anything. He gave them his word. They were obedient to the word. And in the process of walking out in the flesh, what he told them to do, healing comes. And then scripture says that immediately... All 10 of them flooded back to the Lord and bowed at his feet. And they, y'all are looking at me like I'm so wrong. And that's so right. Because they didn't. Scripture says, and the one, when he realized he was healed, immediately turned back and went to the Lord and bowed at his feet and gave thanks. And then when Jesus looked at him, can you imagine to have such a sickness, such an infirmity in your life? And to have that thing instantaneously healed, knowing that it came from God. Could you imagine coming back after? It, we don't know their background. We don't know how long they had been lepers. We don't know how long this guy had been without community and touch and sensation. But to come back and bow at the feet of Christ and to look up. There's something about looking at somebody in the eyes, like that, you know, the, the introduction thing. I knew that that was going to be my wife when I looked her in the eyes. There was just something about those beautiful blue eyes that stole my soul. And hearing her worship one Sunday night at the church, we were at 35 years ago almost. There was something looking in her eyes. Can you imagine looking in the eyes of Christ? And him just looking down, and he said, because of your faith, you've been made whole.
And I, I can't prove it, but I think he meant so much more than that leprosy. I think he was talking about something so much deeper because of your faith, you've been made whole. Now, I'm sure the other nine were ecstatic. I'm sure they were thrilled about their healing. We don't know how long they've been walking it out, but, and, and, and I would tend to think they probably rushed home to their families and were so excited. There were probably celebrations. We're clean. The master's healed us. But the object of that lesson is that the one did the most important thing. He immediately went back to the Savior to give his thanks. In his appreciation, so many times in my life, God has done good things for me, and I've been grateful, but the immediate response was not, thank you, Lord, I'm immediately going to make a phone call or text or celebrating what's going on, and then this down the road that I went, oh, Lord, thank you for what you've done. Man, that my heart would be so in tune with the Holy Spirit that every opportunity that something happens, that I'm able to give an immediate honor and worship and praise and thanks to the Lord. This is Daniele. She suffered from xeroderma pigmentosa, and she was in Honduras. I met her in 2006, and she had what's considered a modern-day version of leprosy. Lepers, their skin would rot. It would fall off. It was such a decay and such a stench and just everything that went with it. It was so terrible. Now, her skin didn't rot and fall off, but her, her situation caused her to have extreme reaction to sunlight. And her mother was not mentally capable. She had issues. And, and they eventually, the, the country took the child away from her. And she ended up at the, at the children's home at the missions ministry there that we supported. And she was nine years old, but the mother didn't know. So the child would just go out and play in the sun. She would walk to the school. She would do everything in the sun. And day by day by day, it was killing this child to the point that the disease took her eyes and they had to remove them from her sockets. It later took part of her tongue and part of her lip. When I first met her, she was nine and a Scottish missionary who spoke Spanish, he called Daniele into the room. He was introducing us to all the children and she came running in and she just had such a glow about her because she had not known Christ, but this ministry had shown her the love of Christ and been telling her all these wonderful stories about Jesus being a healer and a savior and all the stories. And she began to experience the love of God and it began to change her little young life. And so when she would first meet somebody, she would go up to you and she would put her hands on your face. And I mean, she would meticulously fill every form, your eyebrows, your, your, bur, your the, the fur of your eyebrows, your cheekbones, everything. And when she got to my face and she was feeling it, I had a beard and she felt it and she lit up. It was something different. And she was like, ooh. And she said something in Spanish and the missionary translated back to her and they, they talked and she just laughed a little bit. And so every time that we would go to the children's home the rest of that time, she would want to feel my face and find the fur. She would find the fur. <clears throat> this child is now 15 this year. She celebrated a quinceanera. And even with a partial tongue, even with a partial lip and no eye sockets, she leads the other 30 plus children in that children's home in their worship and in their prayers to the Lord every day. We can find a way to be thankful in the midst of diverse and terrible situations. 
doesn't matter what it is, she finds joy. It's easy to be thankful in the good times, but can we trust in the midst of our trials? David went through many difficulties, and he writes this passage in Psalms. I love the Lord because he has heard my cry, because he has turned his ear toward me. I will call out to him as long as I live. The ropes of death were wrapped around me, and the torments of hell overcame me. I encountered trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me, for the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is compassionate. He guards the inexperienced. I was helpless, but he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, rescued me from death, my eyes from tears and my feet from stumbling. And I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I said I am severely afflicted. When I was in the hospital, this was one of the scriptures that I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, the first four days I wasn't very, I wasn't a very spiritual person. I wasn't very Christian. All that stuff I'd heard my whole life. I knew God could heal me and all that. But those first four days, I was drugged up. I was in and out of things. And I was desperate. I didn't want to read a Bible. I didn't care. I was just, I was lost. I was in a bad place. Four days in, worship team, y'all can move back around. Four days, I didn't see anybody. Two people on the list, my wife and my son, could come to see me, but they had to wear all this hazmat, had to have the mask, the shield, all this other stuff. And four days in, after seeing all the people in gray and blue and mauve and white coats and all that of those uh, scrubs and stuff, I kept, uh, I could look out this window and see the Goodyear Tire Store, and I could look out that window and see the nurse's station. And I'd look out that station and weep because I was so lonely. <laughs> and one day, he had on a plastic blue thing and a blue mask and a funny face shield, but I could see his eyes. And my pastor had come to see me and a sprig of hope began to take flame. And he came in the room and he talked to me and he prayed with me and encouraged me. And then for the next, it was, it was the Friday after Thanksgiving. I still didn't get to see my wife. They wouldn't let her in. Do you know what it's like when you have no contact with people I felt like that leper. No human contact except for being poked and prodded. I stunk like lepers. I wasn't able to bathe for 13 days. I was miserable. But there was a point in time in that process where I was scrolling. I, I just said, I got to get out of this funk. Pastor Bruce had called. Pastor Ronnie had called. I, I looked, skipped through, um, skipped through uh, Paul's. There was a day that came, and I was listening to praise and worship hymns. 
old stuff on YouTube, and I typed in the word restoration, and restored came up. Now, you may not see that well, but that's Jonathan and Brittany's tune. And I started playing it. That's the one they played before I came up. And when that song began to play, something flipped. Something clicked in my spirit, and I said, I want to live. I want to live, God, and you're the only way that I will. And I played it again, and I played it again, and then I hit the little thing, because I got tired of just hitting replay, so I just hit the thing where it just kept playing. 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, and people were coming in checking vitals and doing stuff. Weren't you, have you, you were just listening to that song. I, I didn't care, I just, I had to have it. I had to have it. And it sparked a hope in me. Thanksgiving, we do something as a church on a ministry, on an outreach called Grin Giving. We go to Feed the Homeless and we take them Chick-fil-A and donuts and coffee. And I was so heartbroken because I wasn't going to get to go this year. But people in this church that loved me brought me a Chick-fil-A and a donut. And that was the best meal I'd had in eight days because it came with love from people who cared and we're praying. And I realized the only way I'm getting out of this hospital is I got to worship him and think my way out of this hospital. Because I could choose to sit there and be miserable and go, why me, God? It happens to everybody else. Like Pastor Ronnie said before, not me. Or I could choose to worship the one who created everything and, and worship my way out. And I had a point that I decided, God, whether I live or die, if I never come out of this hospital, I will go out of this world worshiping you and thanking you for everything you've ever done. I thanked him for my wife and for everything she's done in my life. Thank you for my beautiful children that love and serve you. Thank you, or thank you for a church body that's been encouraging me. Thank you for family. I began to thank him for everything I could think of to thank him for because I was not going to die ungrateful. My pastor sent me a picture of my office door where the staff and the kids and so many people in this church wrote post-its and put on my door and they would pray. And every one of those are in my office right now on my desk. And then from time to time, I just pull them out so that I don't forget the goodness of God in the land of the living. live to take a family vacation this past May with my beautiful family. And we've been having struggles in our family. We've been having difficult times with stuff. But God let me live so that that weekend we had such an amazing time of reconciliation and healing. The last one's you. It's this church. Some people live for work. Some people live for sports. Some people live for things. I live to be around you people. I am so encouraged by your smiles, your hugs, your pats on the back. I am encouraged when I get to talk to you on the phone or we chat in the hallway. When we have these events and we get to just be family. 
and I chose to be grateful. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know if it's a difficult marriage or difficult family relationship. I don't, can you be thankful when you've been diagnosed with cancer? Jason Bragg had a heart attack in February this year. Can you be thankful when you're going through stuff like that as a family? The answer is yes. You do. You can. But you have to choose. You have to choose. Joshua said, choose you this day who you'll serve. Can I tell you as we go into this holiday season and Thanksgiving, you can take that off, guys. It may be tough. Some of y'all may be traveling into some difficult family things. I shared it in the first gathering and not get into it. There's always times of strife in family. But I'm so thankful I get to go to South Carolina this weekend and see my mom and my dad and my sister, my brother-in-law, my nephews. I got a nephew that thinks he's a woman. I've got a brother-in-law that's an alcoholic. I got stuff in my family, but you know what? I can still be thankful that God is able. I may not see it right now. And I may not live to see it, but I know that he is able. And I just have to depend on him and trust in him and give him all the worship, all the glory and all the thanks, regardless of what my sight says. Because Paul said in Corinthians, we do not walk by sight. We walk by faith. I'll ask him to play this song again. Man, it was such a powerful song. Just spend some time worshiping tonight. Give thanks for whatever circumstance you find yourself in and trust him that he will see you through.